Hey, welcome everyone. Another Devo, Patrick and Jamie. Um, Guess what? And, oh, what? <laughs> I need to stop you right now because the world needs to learn something that I learned a long time ago, but just remembered today. What's that? Coffee. Okay. There's like light roast coffee and dark roast coffee. Right. Jamie, you might know the answer, but Probably do. I want you to give me the answer of what most people think. Does light roast coffee have more caffeine or does dark roast coffee have more caffeine? So do you want the real answer or do you want what most people think? I want what most people think. So most people think it's dark roast because they think the darker, the more nasty it tastes, that means it must have uh, more caffeine in it. But that's absolutely not true. I know. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy to think about? And most coffee shops are doing society a huge disservice by only offering their light roast coffee in the afternoon because most people think light roast coffee less caffeine i love light roast coffee because more caffeine and in fact you can get uh light roast espresso at a lot of places and that'll have even more caffeine yeah so i guess the longer they roast those beans the more the caffeine i don't know where does it go when they roast it does it like burn up and f- so what I understand, yeah, the longer you roast a coffee bean, the more caffeine you're roasting out of it. And so decaf coffee is coffee that's been roasted uh, normally, from what I understand, beyond what is acceptable for dark roast. And so they just keep going. And that's how you get your uh, decaf. Awful. And then they add some flavoring back to it because okay. it would be like right. really nasty. So anyway... Enough of that. <laughs> Let's dive into some scripture. Let's do it. I'm going to load up the old Bible software here. Yeah, perfect. We're in James chapter two. On Wednesdays, we're going through James. And this is like a kind of a cool passage. Favoritism forbidden. Ooh, that's the I like the word forbidden. Yeah, forbidden. So here we go. Verses one through 13. I'll read it. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring of fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you, if you show attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but to the poor man, you stand here or you sit on the floor by my feet. You have not discriminated amongst yourselves. Oh, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But if you have dishonored the poor, it is not the rich, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? I am struggling with this. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. 
If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There was a lot of uh, very confusing language through there, and I like really struggled verses five through seven, getting it out right. <laughs> you did good though. You did. You made it through. You yeah, made it made through. It. The, you made it through the whole ride. Yeah, so I should, that's. I good. should put a disclaimer at the beginning of this that you might want to have your Bible out and read along with this one because if you're just and, listening, and it might be all over the map. Generally, that's always a good idea. Uh, if you can, you know, pull up a Bible app, pull up a Bible. Yeah. Um, so James gets right into it, though. Verse one, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Boom. Right out of the gate, you know, right out of the gate. Hey, don't show favoritism. And who is he saying this to? It's to the brothers and sisters. I mean, the real word for this that's in here is just brothers. And back then that word meant brothers and sisters together. It's like, you know, all the people who believe in Jesus. Um, can, can we just say all y'all? All y'all. All y'all would be the appropriate way to say it um, because, I mean, we can get, it is like kind of a second person plural. Uh, yeah. So it is kind of like all you all uh, going. So yeah, that is probably a good way of saying it. All the brothers. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So all the believers in glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, what do you consider favoritism to be are you like directly asking me yeah oh well i mean i can 100 stand behind the example that's given uh kind of almost in in terms of people judging a book by its cover based on how someone looks and choosing to give them a better situation or something more than someone who doesn't look like they're really put together Okay. So I, I mean, the example that's given, I mean, that's yeah. kind of, that's a good example of favorite favoritism It's choosing something that you prefer over something that you don't, I yeah. guess. And I think we all do it, right? I mean, in subtle ways and maybe in not so subtle ways, we show favoritism. Oh, sure. I mean, even me last night, I made a pizza for dinner. And I opened up the freezer and I had all these options of pizzas. And I was like, well, you oh. know, my, my favorite is the three meat. Mm -hmm. So instead of making the, the cheese or the Supreme, I'm going to cook up the three meat. Cause that's my favorite. Well, now you have to ask yourself though, did the pizza want to be eaten? See, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, well, just even think like, about people, right? We show favoritism to people all the time. So, you know, you might, um, for example, if you're, if you play sports or if you're in a school play, um, I was just thinking about this the other day, back in the day, you'd choose teams at recess and it, yeah. you'd have team captains who would pick. And, and the strategy I always took is I tried to be friends with everyone because if you were friends with everyone, you would never get picked last. Yeah. But if you were like kind of nasty and like kind of rude, you might get picked last, even if you're not the worst player. Right. Um, and, and so a lot of us in life show favoritism on a lot of different levels. In fact, kind of as like a social justice thing. Um, we've been looking at, 
as a society and as a country, we've been looking at where our favoritism has um, become like criminal acts even, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So like, we'll look at some of our favoritism and realize, oh, maybe like police are showing favoritism in the way they police in the, the way that they police, or maybe political parties are, or maybe judges are, or maybe even the whole system of economics is. And all of a sudden, like the weight of this favoritism is like, squishing us down um thinking about how do we even get out of it um right yeah right but james gets to the heart of it verse two he gives us this example of showing favoritism to rich people and to poor people right yeah uh and and to me that's like a really 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 important one um Mm -hmm. because if we get that one wrong uh, if we get really any of these things wrong, we start to go down some really dark roads. Right. We start to let things happen. So he says, right, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Uh, I don't have a gold ring. Do you have a gold ring, Pat? I have a gold wedding ring, yeah. Okay, so it's real gold. And those aren't cheap, right? You got to like pay some real money for a real gold wedding ring. Yeah, it was, it was some real money, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some real money. So real gold costs real money. Um, So if someone shows up and they're sporting a big old fat gold ring and they're wearing really expensive clothes, you know, they got like the latest kicks on that costs like 800 bucks and they're wearing like a, you know, whatever the newest like hip shirt is that they spent 250 on and yeah. Right. Like their whole outfit is like a couple thousand dollars worth of clothes. Um, They roll in and then a poor man in filthy old clothes. Now we all know what filthy old clothes are. We're talking like, the clearance rack at the thrift store, like filthy old, you know, we're like the mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel. So you yeah. have the old, the old, you know, some guy comes in, he's wearing this nasty old stuff. He also comes in, you know, in our hearts, we want to show favoritism to the people who kind of at least remind us of ourselves or who we want to be. Mm-hmm. So think about that for a second. You know, you want to lean towards the people who you want to be. Um, and typically, especially in this era and this time, someone who has a lot of money and power, that's more attractive. Yeah. And so, and so uh, he's given this hypothetical exa- example, right? Verse three, if you show special attention to the man with the fine clothes and you say, oh, hey, you, you're, you're wearing fine clothes. We're going to give you a good seat. But you say to the poor man, like, hey, uh, you, go, you go sit in the back or you know what? You can sit at the, you can sit at my feet. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even get Yikes. a chair. You can just Yikes. sit at my feet. Um, and what G- James is saying in verse four, right? Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges? And then he even says judges with evil thoughts. Yeah. Um, we judge things all the time. Right. We judge people all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the church, it can get even a little weird too, because people will come into the church and there'll be people who have this perception that they have a lot of money, have a lot of power. And how do you navigate that, right? Like you want to not show favoritism, but at the same time, you don't want to, uh, you know, a lot of the people who run churches don't want to ignore the fact that there are folks in the church who might want to give a lot of money and like help things out. And you don't want to just ignore them and treat them all poorly. Right. But you want to treat everyone equally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a bad problem about judging people kind of based off of what kind of car they drive. It's like, Oh man. Okay. Yeah. You so know. give me an example. Like what, like what would be a car that you judge someone based off of? Well, I'm going to be like, we're going to lay it all out here. When I found out 
that our head of staff uh, drove an old school BMW. I was a little shocked. I was like, whoa, you know, like I, I would, I kind of thought, oh, head of staff of a church would drive kind of like a that newer car, nicer car, not some 1989 or whatever year it is like BMW. And so that was like yeah. me totally judging. It was right when I first started at the church as well, like judging, thinking, Oh, why, why is this guy like whipping around an old car? But then I could appreciate the old car. Cause he likes to really take care of it. And it's a passion of his. to like drive that car. So, but yeah, I, I totally judged, <laughs> judged that right. car. I was in the parking lot and I was like, who drove this? Like, old, old brown car to, to work today. <laughs> it is funny. Cause you know, you can't read a book, but you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, we say that, but a lot of times you, you can kind of get a pretty good idea. You sure, know, yeah. there's certain people, like if you think about personalities of people that, you know, maybe family members or friends or people from work uh, and you look at maybe the car is a great example. What car they drive in some ways does, uh, kind of sync up with their personality. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, sometimes. But favoritism for us, sometimes it can go both ways. Like in a church, we're in a church that has, uh, you know, it's a relatively affluent church. And so because of that, you can actually even judge people because they have money or oh, because yeah. they have wealth. And mm-hmm. you can say, oh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to pander to the wealthy people. Um, but then you could even go too far and treat people poorly yeah. Um, instead of equally, or you right. can make assumptions about people that aren't, that aren't really true. Uh, and so I think here we see that James is, is kind of combating what probably has been a problem in this church. And in chapter one, we hear that he says, true religion is to take care of the orphans and the widows and to keep oneself from being corrupted by the world. Um, so what, what I'm reading into this is it seems as if the church at this point, there's been sort of an influx of maybe corruption of the world and maybe money as a negative influence, um, in that, and then favoritism. And there's some, some other things he's going to address, including, you know, taming of the tongue and things like that. But, um, what I've noticed in churches and, and this, this story always gets me, there was a guy in, in my, my dad's church who had a skin condition. And his skin condition was so bad. I met him and went to shake his hand and he had these little like bumps all over his skin and they're even on his hands. Mm. And so even to shake his hands, it was like you would feel his disease. Um, And it wasn't contagious uh, like by shaking his hand or anything like that, but it made it to where he wasn't someone that people really wanted to be around. People didn't want to treat him well. People like kind of ignored him because they're like, we don't know how to like deal with you. But there was a pastor at that church before my dad was there who made it a point of, uh, she was a female pastor. And every time he would come into church, she would go over and give him a kiss on the cheek. Wow. Which is something that probably very few people in his life ever did. Right. He never married. Um, and the interesting thing of it is if you saw him to see him, you'd think, Oh, that guy has a bad skin condition. And then the other thing you might think is, oh, this guy is not really all that well off because he didn't wear fancy clothes. He didn't drive a fancy car. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he passed away um, several years back, he left uh, some money to to, uh, five organizations that he really cared about. And then he said, whatever's left over, you know, I want the church to have. Well, what was left over was over $2 million. 
Wow. Um, to the church. Dang. And so the church ended up paying off all of their debt and having an extra half million dollars. Uh, oh my gosh. And they just didn't know. They didn't know that this guy was someone who had a good amount of wealth um, yeah. and who cared about the church. And so, you know, what I what you can draw from that isn't that you should uh, treat people differently. It's you, you should pre- treat everyone well, you know, greet yeah. everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, don't make people sit on the floor, uh, you know, and in, if you're in a seat and you see someone who needs a seat, get up and give them your seat and you sit on the floor. You know, that's yeah. like kind of like the way that we're supposed to live. Yeah. And I think that James is like, is very passionate about this idea of favoritism because even in verses five through seven, he says, you have dishonored the poor. It is not. And then he asks these rhetorical questions to kind of help you start thinking, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him who you belong? Yeah. He like is calling it out. And probably pretty angry and passionate about it. Yeah. And I know there's people who, who are without money uh, and they they see that it's rich people that are taking money from them. And, and you know, folks who are rich right now are like, I'm not taking money out of someone's pocket. Right. Um, I'm not stealing from someone. But when you look at the the kind of macroeconomics of, of life uh, in our country and, and really in a lot of other countries, uh, you'll see that what, for whatever reason, the way that all these gears are turning is, is, and this is true, I don't think anyone's denying this, is that people who have money keep having more and more. People who don't have are having either less and less or they're staying the same. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, in, in kind of a smaller thing, James, or smaller scale, James is looking at this and saying, well, wait a minute, uh, in this time, in this era, the rich people are, are making their money off the poor people. They're exploiting the mm-hmm. poor people. Mm-hmm. And they're even not on top of that. They're even taking them into court to try to get more money out of them. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's uh, again, something that's happening specifically to that church in that place, but it's not something that is independent of what's happening even today. Um, right. So I'm in anyway, I don't want to get like too far away from scripture <laughs> and into like the socioeconomic realities of our day to day. But yeah. what I will say is that God does seem to have a special uh, sense of blessing and a special sense of connection to poor people, mm-hmm. to people right. who are poor. The beatitude starts out with blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and we, we keep getting this idea that Jesus, he, he comes and he seeks him to save those who are lost. Um, yeah. Jesus didn't make distinctions between the poor people and the rich people. He, he healed both. Uh, and, and so for us, as we're looking at, you know, a way to correct ourselves, if we're ever, you know, off one way or the other, it's important for us to think rich people are not bad people. No, that's not true. It doesn't mean if you're rich, you're bad. It doesn't mean if you're poor, you're good. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. either. Right. Uh, but what we do see here is that Jesus can identify with the poor people in a really deep way. Some of that yeah. is because he was a poor person, mm-hmm. right? He was born into a poor family. Uh, he was, right. he lived in a very meager way. And then when he was doing ministry, um, he died with nothing, right? Yeah. 
They yeah. cast lots for his for his clothes. Um, he 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 didn't leave any inheritance uh, <laughs> yeah. to people, right? When he passed away or when he was killed. Um, so Jesus has this idea of identifying with the poor. So for us, when we think about that, I think we could even look at ourselves and say, well, what kind of spiritual poverty are we in? Yeah. You know, yeah, where, I mean, where are we without, you know, where, what, what is it that we're missing? Yeah. And I think we, we've got, we are starting to get the, a little bit of a taste in society right now on March in mid March when we were recording this of what's been missing, right? We've been in isolation. We've been at home alone. And now we are finally able to start worshiping again together with peers in person and like do more meaningful church youth programs. That's like what's been missing for us. Yeah. Like now and, at least. And I think too, you know, there, there was this old school thinking and, and we still bring it into today that if you are hashtag blessed, uh, right. If you're blessed, which means you don't have any problems. Um, <laughs> I mean, hashtag blessed could be anything. You're like, you know, I found 50 cents in my couch cushions, hashtag blessed. Uh, or it could be, or it could be, you know, people, people are, people really use that pretty, uh, pretty widely, but it could be anything from, from a financial benefit in your life to friendships to whatever. If you are, a hashtag blessed type of a person. We sometimes think that material blessings on earth um, are, are consistent with spiritual realities that somehow God has found favor with us. Um, and I think what this is doing too, in this passage is kind of combating that going against it. Mm-hmm. It's saying uh, that, n- no, it's not, it's not your job to decide who, who's blessed. It's God's job to bless people. Mm. Uh, just because someone doesn't have a bunch of money doesn't mean they're not blessed by the Lord. Yeah. Um, that's right. In fact, they are blessed. Uh, yeah. and, and the Beatitudes even, even say that I knew a, a guy who even said, this is kind of a crazy th- thought, but he's like, don't, uh, don't be quick to take people's poverty away from them because it's a blessing. Right. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, I don't want to be that guy to say, don't take someone's poverty away. Like we should always help people out. That's a good thing. Um, we should give people seats of honor. Yeah. But his point is we need to rethink the whole idea of what it actually means to be blessed or poor or rich. Yeah, absolutely. And a good way to kind of go about that, you know, James in verses eight through 11 kind of gives a whole lot of very practical solutions and in an interest of time, we'll just kind of breeze over it pretty quickly. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're doing right. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the laws, lawbreakers. And then it goes in to say, uh, any part, if you break one part of the law, you're still a lawbreaker. It's not how much of the law that you broke. It's, uh, if you broke any part of it, you are still, uh, you are still a lawbreaker. And that's all pretty straightforward, but I do want to jump to verses 12 and 13, just in the interest of keeping this in a reasonable listening amount of time. Verse 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I think that's like so important. Speak Mm -hmm. and act as those who have been, are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. They're going to be judged yeah. by Christ. 
That's important. It's super important. Uh, judgment without mercy, right? will be shown to anyone who's, who has not been merciful. And this is so true. And the, Jesus repeats this sermon on the Mount is especially prominent with this whole concept is we, as people who are forgiven need to be forgiving. Yeah. Um, right. If our first inclination is to judge other people to make, you know, to, to put, put ourselves in the judgment seat and to judge others, uh, that is where we go wrong. But if we first, our first inclination is to show mercy to people, to give people a sense of, uh, to, to forgive them when even they do things against us. And in order for us to do that um, quickly and to do that uh, triumphantly, right? Like mercy yeah. triumphs over judgment. That puts us in the same uh, kind of mindset as Christ and as God is with us. He forgives us when we sin against him. Yeah. So maybe that's a good challenge today. You know, look look in your life at who is someone or some person who who's done something against you, who's harmed you, who's wronged you. Uh, give them forgiveness. Find it first in your own heart. Yeah. Right? In, in yourself, think, how can I forgive that person today? And possibly the next step might be to write them a note, send them a text, similar, say, hey, I forgive you for that. It's forgotten. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good challenge for the day. Amen. Amen. <laughs>